top 10 takeaways. Yes, yes. Podfather officially all the way back from COVID. COVID free, tested negative. Off we go. Off we go. Can't guarantee that'll be a cough free show, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about these games. We're gonna give you 10 good takeaways. This is gonna be a, a concise and efficient show. 10 good takeaways. We're gonna leverage that reveal sound effect once again. You know, it's my favorite sound effect now. And let's just jump right in. Let's just jump right in. There's some of these games were blowouts, but fortunately, in every game that was a blowout, there were still individual player performances that were interesting. So we'll start with Patriots Bills. This wasn't close. You watch in this game, it was 27-3 at the half. Game was over. And this was my prediction before the playoffs started that Buffalo would have their way with the Patriots. That this this line was crazy. It was like what? Minus four and a half? So that was the easiest bet of the week, taking the Bills minus four and a half, because they're so much better than the Patriots. The Bills have the best pass defense and the second best pass protection, and they have a quarterback that is weatherproof. He has the strong arm to push through the wind, and with bad field conditions, he can take off and run and put defenses on their heels. And he's unstoppable, right? Five touchdowns. And then another 66 yards rushing. So Josh Allen averaged 11 yards per rush. Just this, 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 how do you stop him? I can't, I still can't believe it. I still can't believe that the Bills lost six games. I have no idea how they did that. How do they find a way to lose six games? The Steelers in week one, Ben was fresh, maybe, okay. Somehow lost to the Jaguars. That will never be explained. That may be the most befuddling loss in the history of the NFL. We could look back at the Bills winning the Super Bowl, just erasing decades of bad luck, and finally, just finally overcoming all other 31 teams after the Music City Miracle debacle, after the Wide Right debacle. All those teams were fun. Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, fun teams. Bruce Smith, right? And yet they just happened to run into the Dallas dynasty Bad luck, right? Just bad luck. The Bills have been the signature tough luck franchise in the NFL, and things are finally starting to break their way after 10, 20, 35. I don't know how long the franchise has been around. A long time. It's an AFL franchise. So after 50-plus years, finally, finally, the team is, is in a position to win a championship. They, they are the best roster, top to bottom. And you watch the game. You see, see it. You can see it. Whether it's special teams, offense, defense, every area of the football field, they typically have the best personnel. Whether it be in the secondary, whether it be linebacking core, you can't run against this team. You can't throw against this team. You can't get to the quarterback. Even if you do, he escapes. He has some of the best escapability in the league. And his wide receivers create separation and squeeze the football. So explain to me. Like, explain to me how they lost six games. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Put it in the chat. Do you understand how they lost six games? I have no idea. I have no idea. But I don't see them losing again this year. I don't see, I picked them to win the championship, and so far they're delivering, and it's exciting. Devin Singletary, another two touchdowns. This is a fascinating running back situation that has developed in Buffalo where you have a relatively small, relatively slow running back who's not overly active in the passing game. Devin Singletary had... What, 13 receiving yards? He's never been a target hog out of the backfield. You'd think he would be 
at his size. But no, he somehow gets by with you know grit and guile and 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 just great instincts and vision. And good for him. Good for him. But the rule of thumb is if you're no don't have that size, you don't have that speed, you don't have that electricity in the passing game, you're not an enduring asset for dynasty leagues. So it would be interesting to see what trades go down this offseason for Devin Singletary. Are you able to get a first rounder out of it? Probably not. Maybe five years ago. I think maybe five years. This could be one of the great achievements of player profiler that a running back like Devin Singletary would just be soaked in buzz heading into this offseason in best ball leagues and in dynasty leagues. And yet people go to player profiler and they're like, wait a second. I've seen running backs like this before. They don't endure. They end up as backups. Remember, even Kareem Hunt ended up as a backup. Kareem Hunt was bigger and more explosive and better in the passing game than Devin Singletary, but he wasn't Nick Chubb. He wasn't Jonathan Taylor. He wasn't even anything close to DeAndre Swift athletically. He was just a technically sound running back who knew how to take advantage of the creases and crevices on a football field, especially within the context of the Kansas City offense. And he goes elsewhere, and he's he's no longer starting. And where is Kareem Hunt in Dynasty now? Well, he's certainly behind Devin Singletary. Where does Devin Singletary slot in? That's the great question. But this is why we had the Dynasty Deluxe package. So you can see the lifetime values of these players move as new information comes in. So just go to Player Profiler, go to Dynasty Deluxe, and you'll see these values shift week after week. Elijah Mitchell, up. Singletary, up. And it's not just the rankings and the lifetime values. You can say, show me the rankings with future draft picks. You can say, show me a draft planner and see a draft board view. You can look up trades on my fantasy league involving Devin Singletary to see what the market demand is. If you have Devin Singletary, maybe you want to use our trade analyzer and decide, do I want to make this deal or not? Am I getting enough in return? And that's in addition to our ADP tracker and our mock drafts, which now include the rookie drafts. We did four rookie drafts last month, thanks to Cody Carpentier. And you can see who the top five picks are in rookie drafts. Might surprise you. Does he slot in ahead of superior talents? Like Tony Pollard? Tony Pollard's a better player, but Devin Singletary is on a better team now. It's official that the Bills are a better offense, and he's the primary back. And the question is, has he done enough the last three weeks, finished the season with two consecutive 100-yard performances out of nowhere? That's just not something that Devin Singletary ever does. And then in another two touchdowns against the Patriots, it's like, okay, is he proving himself to the Bills that they no longer are in the market for a running back? Because anytime you look at running backs around the league, oh, where can running back X go? Ooh, what if he goes to... To Buffalo. Ooh, that would be a great spot for running back X. Ooh, love running back X. Ooh, running back X in Buffalo. Oh, right? And uh, no, right? It's possible that, that they don't sign anybody. That we, we want running backs to go there and they don't. They just say, you know what? Why would we why would we tip over this apple cart? We just won the Super Bowl, especially if they win the Super Bowl. If they win the Super Bowl, then Devin Singletary is like Leonard Fournette where he's not going anywhere. You know he's not going anywhere. He just won the Super Bowl. They're not going to let him go. He was a starting player for the offensive unit that won the Super Bowl. We don't want to let him go. We don't want to let any offensive linemen go. We don't want to let Chris Godwin go. We're going to bring everybody back. 
What do you think Buffalo is going to do? They could recommit to Devin Singletary. They win the Super Bowl. They could sign him to an extension. And then what do you do? Because he's going to get all this opportunity. Opportunity is king for running backs. He does have the youth, right? He's young. I don't know. I don't know. I'm okay saying with Devin Singletary, I don't know. That's the takeaway. I do know that Jacoby Myers actually out-targeted Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne's been awesome. Like, that was one of the best free agent signings of the offseason. Kendrick Bourne at value, another two touchdowns. He's so good at squeezing the football in traffic, and especially in the red zone, for a player that's not super big, super athletic. He's impressive. But just don't forget that Jacoby Myers still had more targets. And Jacoby Myers had a higher target share than a lot of the receivers that, that we view as superior talents. So once again, Jacoby Myers just proving that he is a buy, a strong buy in Dynasty. Strong, 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 strong buy in Dynasty. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The, the beauty is he only had the 40 yards. So he continues to just put the targets up with, with, with a significant air yard share, but no touchdowns. The fantasy points are muted so that he, he, he doesn't ever sort of break the scale when you're deciding how much to offer in Dynasty, for example. And I love to see Isaiah McKenzie show up. I know that, you know, uh, it was a blowout, but he was catching passes in the first half. Like, he's a quality player, and he's just undersized. But I love seeing them use him and use all their wide receivers. Use Davis, use Sanders. And while you might have thought that Sanders would out-snap Gabriel Davis, the opposite was true. So Gabriel Davis had a, a significantly higher snap share and ran significantly more routes than Emmanuel Sanders. So that's interesting moving forward as well. Just noteworthy in terms of the usage pattern. The starting wide receivers for the Buffalo Bills and three receiver sets were predominantly Diggs and Beasley and Davis. Sanders came in late, but key first half catches for Gabriel Davis. You can go back to him in DFS the following week with confidence, especially now that we know that the the established veteran actually could not recapture his previous role. We're already at like three takeaways, four takeaways. Buffalo Bills, Super Bowl champions, so many takeaways. Just one game. I promised myself. I promised. I promised it would be an efficient, brief show. I said, I got to go live. I got to go live. There's so, so, so many takeaways. How do I not? How do I not have a show this week? Come on! But we'll we'll we'll, we'll make sure we 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 rein it in, right? We'll, we'll pull back. We, we, we not not so many takeaways. Just ten. We're already at like three. We'll just we'll call it three. Starting with Devin Singletary. I don't know. That was a very key takeaway. Very key. And Jamar Chase is good. That's a takeaway. T Higgins, one for four for ten yards. See, that's bad. See, that's that's not good. I don't like that. T. Higgins is an incredibly volatile wide receiver, and he's going to be volatile because he's a number two. Number two wide receivers of all, especially number two wide receivers that have huge ceiling outcomes in their range of possibilities, right? So if you're not the target leader, but when you do have a favorable matchup, you crush, you score 40 fantasy points, you're necessarily going to be one of the most volatile wide receivers in the league. So I can already see this for next year. Where it's like, oh, Higgins, he, he, he was good when Jamar Chase was banged up, but otherwise he was 
inconsistent, disappeared in big moments. Eh, I don't know. T. Higgins, I don't know. We're going to lean into the volatility. Lean into the volatility with T. Higgins and embrace that number two designation. It's going to make him more affordable, these these dud performances to close out the season, especially if he has a dud performance in, in the next round, then he'll be all the more affordable in Dynasty. So I'm rooting for Higgins to continue to dud out at the end, make him more affordable in Dynasty, make him more affordable in best ball. That's what we want. That, that was a takeaway. Waller, right? Waller's back, 12 targets, right back, you know, right back on the horse for Waller. And Renfro finally doing what Renfro does, which is to get 11 targets and, and translate that into 58 yards. I mean, he is one of the worst yards per target wide receivers in the league. On the other hand, six targets for Brian Edwards, put up 41 yards. Zay Jones is an explosive wide receiver, and he's perfect for this offense. Zay Jones is perfectly fit for this offense where he can succeed in the middle of the field. Short, intermediate routes, slants. I mean, that's what he did. In college, right? That that was at East Carolina. That was the Zay Jones playbook. Just slant, 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 slant. Unstoppable because he's very quick. He's quick and explosive in short areas, and that's where Derek Carr wants to feed the football. Short and intermediate routes inside the hashes. Let's go. That's the Derek Carr comfort zone. Brian Edwards operates outside that Derek Carr comfort zone which is why he, he doesn't get the targets. But I'm going to maintain truth or status. I'm maintaining truth or status on Brian Edwards. Absolutely. Yes, he's a bust so far, but I'm going to try to go ahead and, and throw him into deals in Dynasty. Um, you know, take a flyer on him at the end of best ball drafts. At cost, why not? At, why not? He has an incredibly impressive prospect profile. He has not been a fit with his quarterback. And in Dynasty... Things can happen. There can be a quarterback shift that we didn't see coming, but it, he's at least two years away, unfortunately, from finding a new quarterback. And so that's a bummer, but that's why it's called trutherism. That's why you put him on the taxi squad. You forget about him for years sometimes. You wake up like, oh, what happened? Oh, I have Brian Edwards. Oh, cool. What's he doing? Right? This is like, just like Zay Jones truthers. They're looking up like, hey, right? I held on to him. He was a, the number three receiver on an NFL team, right? Same reason why in these deep dynasty leagues where I have Hunter Renfro, I'm not dropping him. I wasn't dropping him this offseason. He's going to be the starter. It doesn't matter if every year he's been putting up 600 yards. Maybe this year he breaks some runs and, and somehow maybe the target share goes up even more. Maybe Waller gets hurt. And that's what happened. Right? That's what happened. So we'll see if the Raiders go back to the wide receiver well in the draft. If so, that will really hurt. Brian Edwards, but if they don't draft a wide receiver on day one or two, then I think that 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 helps the case, the cause of us uh, Brian Edwards truthers and uh, C.J. Uzoma, right? Six for six. You never know when these games are going to happen. They, he has two of those games a year. This was one of those games. Happened to be in the playoffs. Good for him. He's explosive. He's a fun tight end. You watch him play. You can't believe that he's not getting more targets. But th the problem is he's the number four, number five option. If you count Joe Mixon as a receiver, that's the number five option. That's that life. Doesn't matter if the guy's athletic. Doesn't matter if the guy's a playmaker. You put C.J. Uzoma on another team that doesn't have one of the best or the best wide receiver duo, wide receiver trio in the league. Well, could be could be good, but uh, otherwise just so inconsistent just because of the the 
the, the target conservation, there's just, there's just no way. And Derek Carr is just getting the most out of his skill set. He is a game manager plus, and he's absolutely the best game manager plus in the league. He's, he's doing it. He's getting it done by keeping the ball in, in, in the, inside the hashes. And you, you have to wonder, what would this team be like if they had a real general manager? Like, they make the playoffs, 10-7. and seven. They give the Bengals a run. Like, this game was close throughout, and yet they whiffed on all these draft picks. Can, can you imagine? Just go back and change two draft picks. Just two. Just change two. Ruggs was awful. We know that. Make Henry Ruggs, Tristan Wirfs, and just change one other first-round pick that didn't even make any sense. In fact, don't even change a bust pick. Change Josh Jacobs. Make Josh Jacobs anyone but a running back. And this team's this team's advancing. Think about it. And I don't even know what Ma- Mike Mayock is. No one knows. You can't know what Mike Mayock is. He gets fired, okay. But you can't make judgment on this guy. This guy was basically just carrying a computer... For John Gruden, John Gruden can't use computers maybe, so he has the laptop and then he's just facilitating whatever John Gruden wants to do. I don't necessarily know if any of those draft picks were Mike Mayock's idea. I have no idea. We don't know. But I do know the team made the playoffs, and I do know they, they, they gave the Bengals a game on the road. That's impressive. There's something there. If they, if they could clean up some of these, these personnel whiffs with some hits in the draft in the next couple of years... They've hit on some defenders. The great signing of Casey Hayward. Max Crosby, one of the best pass rushers in the league. That was just an incredible hit. So once you have these pieces, you have a quarterback that you can trust. You have an edge rusher. You have an alpha corner. Suddenly you have the key pieces to build a team for the next two or three years. It, the Raiders are interesting. That's my takeaway. That's the, t- that's the big takeaway. The Raiders, they're interesting. This Cardinals game was a blowout. I thought it'd be close. Kyler Murray's not right, right? CeeDee Lamb, we know, was not right. He hurt his ankle midseason, hasn't been right since. Kyler Murray hurt his ankle midseason, hasn't been right since. Jalen Hurts, we know, hurt his ankle midseason, hasn't been right since. And I think it's, it's, it's clearly affecting him as a thrower and a runner. So Kyler Murray ran for six yards. He's not right. He's not right. And if you have an incredible pass rush, a stout front seven, and a mobile quarterback is hobbled, well, he would normally rely on the escapability against that pass rush. When he can't, then his whole game short circuits. So you'd rather have a pocket passer in that situation who at least knows how to get the ball out on time. He doesn't have those habits. And so now he, he's, he's sort of stuck. Kyler Murray's stuck in a situation where he would normally turn his back and scramble he doesn't quite have the strength and stability in the ankle and the foot, and he's stuck. He's stuck, and it's a blowout. It was 21-0 at the half. That's how that happens. That's how that happens. But we didn't know. We didn't know how healthy his ankle was. Now we know. Now we know. And this game wasn't interesting at all, except Rondale Moore, seven targets. That's good. He's also not 100%. He was questionable coming in, still getting seven targets. So it'll be interesting to do some injury analysis on Rondale Moore this offseason because I, I think he'll be a buy because th- this was ultimately an injury ravaged season for him. So I think he'll be a buy in dynasty buy in best ball. And you got to feel for Josh Larkey. He had this game absolutely nailed, took the Christian Kirk under Kyler Murray, under pass yards cup under Matthew Stafford, under underdogfantasy.com. 
Go to the App Store, get Underdog Fantasy, and use that promo code UNDERWORLD. You get an instant deposit match of 100 bucks when you deposit 100 If you're new to the platform, and Josh has been hitting on an inordinate number of parlays, and he shares his pick'em slips on Twitter at JLarkyTweets. And it was such a bad beat because the under on Christian Kirk was 50.5, and he had 51 receiving yards exactly. Josh missed that parlay by a half yard. Don't forget about parlaying your pickums. Underdogfantasy.com, promo code UNDERWORLD. What do you do with James Conner and Chase Edmonds this offseason? I have no idea. Conner's going to be a free agent. I still believe in Chase Edmonds. I think Chase Edmonds looks the part of the type of running backs like Austin Eckler that we covet. And I haven't seen anything to change my mind. And I haven't seen anything that makes me think that Cam Akers isn't elite. Cam Akers is crashing that Dynasty Top 5 running backs. Just crashing it. Like He's back. Like The Achilles rupture officially isn't that big of a deal. If you can come back six months after the injury and look fresh and explosive, and you might say, oh, well, the yards per carry wasn't as good as Sony Michelle. Yeah, but that's why we don't jump to conclusions based on single-game efficiency numbers. No one's looking at single-game efficiency numbers, making decisions and, and assessments of players. Because you actually watch the game and you're like, oh, wait, there was a 20-yard run called back. There's a 15-yard run called back. Oh, there's a deep pass. Oh, underthrown. A guy could have had 70 receiving yards. He's getting targets down the field and 17 carries? Just the carry total. And the... Areas of the field he operated, especially in the passing game, that's what we're looking at. And that's what's so impressive about Cam Akers coming off a ruptured Achilles. He's going to be a smash next year. I'm so excited for him in this offense with Matthew Stafford, these wide receivers, this whole passing game, just keeping defenses honest. He'll be super efficient. And you just love seeing him get those targets. Notice the, the two targets for Akers. Oh, my God. He Down the field. So good. So good. Oh, man. Even Jake Funk got in the action. Jake Funk came in, got those five yards. But Jake Funk, listen, he's, a, he's an active player. He's an active running back on the Rams. So he's immediately interesting. Jake Funk, as an active player on the Rams, a skill position player, is necessarily interesting. Just the same reason why Ben Skoranek is interesting. He's an active skill position player on the Rams. It's a great offense. And you notice that Odell Beckham, because they won, doesn't have to answer any questions, right? He had an awesome game. He was four for four. Maybe, maybe, maybe he, he's, he's developing some rapport with Matthew Stafford. It'd be nice for him to have some real rapport with a quarterback since Eli Manning. And it, it's funny, we juxtaposed on Twitter at Roto Underworld, the Amon Ross St. Brown second half versus the Odell Beckham second half. And I thought it might be close just because you know, St. Brown's getting 10 targets a game. I'm like, wow, his second half must have rivaled the Odell Beckham Jr. second half. Oh, no. Oh, no. Odell Beckham Jr.'s second half of his rookie season was face-melting. Was like number two scorer at the wide receiver position. He absolutely crushed it. It's hard to believe. Like We, we forget because... Just had so many seasons of Odell Beckham Jr. disappointing us, but the whole reason we're disappointed in Odell Beckham Jr. year in, year out, is because of that rookie year. And he missed the first two games with a strained hamstring. He would have been the greatest rookie wide receiver of all time across every counting stat, by far and away, 
had he played in those two games. I mean, amazing. He can't be totally washed. He, he just can't be. He's only 28. It's just not possible. He hasn't had the lower body injuries that would be required to say, listen, this guy has lost all of his explosiveness. It's gone. All that fast twitch muscle fiber, it's torn apart. That's not him, right? And remember, in the second half, the final six games, just the final six games of his rookie season, just take the final six games, he was the number one wide receiver in, in all of fantasy and put up, <laughs> this is true, 33 fantasy points a game, 842 yards and nine touchdowns in his final six games. I was like, oh, I, I bet I might St. St. Brown and, and Beckham have similar you know, second halves from their rookie years, respectively. No way. <laughs> not, not even close. Like, not even, not even close. I like Odell Beckham. You're allowed to like Odell Beckham. You should like Odell Beckham. If you don't like him, shame on you. It's not his fault. What is his fault? I don't know what the fuck's going on with him, right? Some of it's his fault, clearly. But like with Brian Edwards in Las Vegas, he was a very poor match for Baker Mayfield. He was a very poor match for Daniel Jones. You do feel bad for him. You feel bad for him. Until now. Until now. Now he has the best quarterback of his career. And he's super efficient. And he's a key player on this team. And it's the, the Cup and Beckham show. And it's fun and exciting. And now we're going to see what happens next week. Man, next week is going to be really exciting. Because then there's a rematch. The Rams beat the Buccaneers earlier this season. But the Buccaneers are getting healthier. Sean Murphy Bunting likely back from the hamstring injury. Carlton Davis survived the game healthy. Jamel Dean. Jamel Dean's one of the most underrated slot corners in the league. It's going to be a different Buccaneers team. They're on a roll. They don't have Godwin. They don't have Brown. That could be what does it. They're going to put Ramsey on Evans. It's, it's not a great matchup for the Buccaneers, as we saw earlier this season. So that's what's going to make that game so good. It's Tom Brady in a bad matchup, and can he overcome it? Fascinating. It's going to be fascinating. Steelers, Chiefs, what's, what do you say to this? What do you say? I should ask the audience. Before we move on, we should ask the audience. Antonio Gibson or Cam Akers in Dynasty? Because that's where they're shaking out. That's where they're shaking out. Antonio Gibson's been a hell of a lot more productive so far in his career than Cam Akers. And Antonio Gibson is a more impressive size-speed specimen. You could argue he's more skilled overall as a former college H-back receiver. But he is a year older, and he's on a far inferior team. Cam Akers is still coming off a, a ruptured Achilles. We're not 100% sure that he's going to be 100% himself ever again. So that doubt still lingers until we see more reps, more games played from Cam Akers. So the uncertainty around Akers is, is higher, but so is the upside. So that's why it's an interesting dichotomy. Maybe we'll talk to Nate Liss about that, Akers versus Gibson, on the next Sonic Truth we're going to be recording later this week. Pittsburgh Chiefs, I mean, the, the, Pittsburgh never should have been in this game. I would have loved to see Colts Chiefs. That would have been interesting. This wasn't interesting. This was just Ben Roethlisberger farting. That's all it was. Just an old man on the couch, just remote control, fart. 4.9 yards per attempt. And yet still, Deontay Johnson, 10 targets. So, no matter what. Deontay Johnson, no matter what. Deontay Johnson, no matter what. You got to get this guy in Dynasty. He's just turning 25. He's got his age 25, 26, 27, 28, 29 seasons ahead of him. Five target hog seasons ahead of him. He was number four in target share this year. 
This is why Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be a free agent. Fryermuth again, five targets. So I, I want Fryermuth. I'm in a startup right now, Dynasty Startup Mock, and I'm I'm letting these tight ends with more brand equity go rounds ahead of a Fryermuth and you know a Dawson Knox, and I'm hoping to sneak them in rounds after some of these other guys that that are just a little bit more exciting. But why can't Pat Fryermuth be exciting? Right, we could consolidate these opportunities down to just Harris, Johnson, Claypool, and Fryermuth next year. That's exciting. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. It's possible that Dwayne Haskins turns a corner. It's possible that they go out and sign a quarterback that can be a big upgrade over Big Ben, whether it be Matt Ryan or it's not going to be Deshaun Watson. Right? We know, we know, we know the Steelers don't sign players like Deshaun Watson. They've got a whole sort of ethos in Pittsburgh they're not they're never going to sign Deshaun Watson that's not going to happen Deshaun Watson wants to go to the Giants and what would happen to Kenny Galladay's dynasty stock if that happens that's a good question for Nate List too because I've called the bottom on the Kenny Galladay dynasty stock they sign or trade for Deshaun Watson all of a sudden oh I like Kenny Galladay now he looks like a bigger version of Will Fuller and that worked out pretty well, tethered to Deshaun Watson, didn't it? So the only big takeaway here is uh, all the DFS gamers that played pounded the free square that was Darrell Williams, Darrell Williams. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I, it, it, it was the McKinnon show. And I just find it amusing when the chalk ends up getting one carry for four yards without an injury. That's when it's funny. When it's, when it's an injury, it's not funny. But when it's not an injury, and even better, that is Jarek McKinnon of all players. We love Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon is my original truther. It was Jarek McKinnon and it was Jeff Janis once upon a time. Look at McKinnon. 96 percentile speed, burst, agility, even strength. 32 bench reps, 210 pounds, slick receiver out of the backfield. He should have been so much better. Same thing with Duke Johnson. And then you see at the end of the year, oh, wait. These veteran running backs still have juice. How it it, it, it just comes to the, the attention of coaches that, oh yeah, this Duke Johnson guy, Miami Hurricanes all-time leading rusher, uh, one of the most efficient running backs in the league in his uh, first four years in Cleveland. We should give this guy a shot. He's pretty good. But how does that, I don't know. I want to know. How does it happen? How does it happen that you're just rolling with Williams, who runs a 4-7, who doesn't give your offense any explosive upside. Sure, he's racking up fantasy points with yards and touchdowns. Cool, right? Yeah, we'll take it, right? Just like you'll take Mike Davis last year. Great, we'll take the fantasy points. But Mike Davis was never helping the Panthers or the Falcons win games. Daryl Williams not helping the Chiefs win games. A guy as electric as Jarek McKinnon, he would, he does. So when I saw that, I was like, oh my God. Not only do I just love Jarek McKinnon and feel like he's been vindicated, but this is so amazing to see a coach deploy his personnel the way I would. See, that's what I would do. I always talk about this on the show. I would find the most explosive running back who's the best in the passing game, and I would just feed him. I would ask him, do you want to be a starting running back in the league? Or are you worried about getting hurt? And if he says, uh, well, I want to be a starting running back in the league, coach, I say, okay, done, right? 
I, I would have said that to Raheem Mostert, just as Kyle Shanahan did. I would go down the list in the NFL of all those running backs that are languishing down depth charts, and their coaches are just squandering the explosiveness. And yet, here here's Jarek McKinnon. In the playoffs, they decide, okay, uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We don't care if, if DFS gamers are playing Daryl Williams. We like McKinnon. We like what McKinnon brings to the table. Who doesn't like what McKinnon brings to the table? He posted an impressive yards per carry, and then he caught all six of his passes for 81 yards and a touchdown. It could be that this is a Sony Michelle situation, right? That this is a Rashad Penny situation where we don't know how healthy these players are. We don't know how much strength and flexibility they have in, in these, these key joints, like the knee, the ankle. And then one day we look up and they've decided, they've worked with trainers, and they've decided, you know what? I got a lot of stability here. I'm feeling really good. I, I finally turned the corner. It's been years of rehab and I finally turned the corner. That, that has to be it. That, that's the only explanation where all parties are using logic. Otherwise, it's just completely illogical that they wouldn't have played him more during the season. Unless they were saving him? The other, the, other, the other theory is that they were saving him. Imagine that. That would be, that'd be a fun story. Imagine that Andy Reid writes a book, talks about that. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't want to get him hurt during the regular season. We want to save him for the playoffs. Genius. If that's the case, genius. Uh, not the case, but genius nonetheless. That would be genius. It's only looking up for Deontay Johnson. It's only looking up for Chase Claypool. It's only looking up for Pat Fryermuth. You're thinking, oh, no, it's going to get worse. No, no, no. It, 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 it doesn't get worse than 215 yards on 45 attempts. I know you think it might. It doesn't. It doesn't. It was the perfect ending. 4.9 yards per attempt was just the perfect way for Ben Roethlisberger to exit the NFL. Just lay down and just try to, you know, push the ball over the line of scrimmage barely from, a, from an inclined position. Goodbye. Not a lot to talk about with Bucks Eagles. Hertz hasn't been right, just like Murray. He admitted it. Sanders is going to be a conundrum. Sanders, once again, all empty calorie touches. Boston Scott gets the touchdown. He was the most unlucky running back in the league this year. And I'm always buying the bad luck players. The players that, for whatever reason, the touchdown rate, didn't materialize, you know, got to the, the one-inch line, couldn't quite get it in, or, or, or sustained injuries that are relatively random. Those are the types of players I like. And I'm fascinated to see Miles Sanders' best ball ADP. I have no idea what it's going to be. Couldn't tell you. No idea. But I'll probably be buying. Probably be buying. Probably. He went. He already went. In a dynasty startup that I'm in, he went ahead of Tony Pollard. So, in Dynasty, people still believe. Plenty of truthers out there. He went ahead of um, Michael Carter. I don't know if I'd do that. I think I'd rather have Michael Carter at this point. But, uh, so there's still believers. So maybe his, maybe his best ball ADP won't be, you know, as, as punished as I thought it would. Be. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, Miles Sanders, let's do it again. Let's run this back. Miles Sanders. I don't know. But I like him. I like the player. Unlucky. Like him. Devontae Smith. Didn't do anything until the end. Didn't do anything until it was a blowout. Against one of the weaker secondaries, missing Sean Murphy bunting. Ugh, right? Ew. 
Devontae Smith was not impressive this year, except the air yard share. Number six air yard share this year. That's that's impressive. Now, it's a function of the lack of a supporting cast, lack of other weapons. Just like this is, if you're going to discount Jalen Waddle's target share, then you also have to discount Devontae Smith's air yard share. But he was sharing a field with a, a sub-4-4 four, four wide receiver in Quez Watkins, and he does get down the field. He gets down the field better than CeeDee Lamb. He gets down the field better than Jalen Waddle. He's going to be the, the, the clear number one next year. It's going to be hard to fade Devontae Smith next year. I, I know you want me to because he didn't deliver this year, as I predicted, but every year's a new year. And you fade Devontae Smith one year, you might be bullish the next. Going to be bullish on Dallas Goddard again. Hell yeah. This is the Dallas Goddard we know. He's had more of these games where he's getting 10-plus targets than the, the, the disappearing at games. It's official. So continue to be bullish on Goddard. Tyler Johnson just just getting in there, right? And Three for 30. Just getting in there. I like him. And Keyshawn Vaughn got most of the first half carries. I know it looks like it was a, a, a down-the-middle touch distribution between the two running backs, an even split. Not really. Not really. They were milk and clock at the end with Gio, right? So these coaches are getting smarter. They're saying, hey, listen, Gio Bernard, you're only on the roster because you're expendable. We don't want Keyshawn Vaughn getting hurt. He's valuable. If we don't have Leonard Fournette, we need Keyshawn Vaughn. And you know Ronald Jones is gone next year. You know Gio's gone. Fournette's probably back. But what you want are all-purpose backs that are an injury away because of all these running back injuries from being the primary back on one of the league's best offenses. Right? Sony Michelle. He produced pretty well, right, after uh, Darrell Henderson went down. You wanted Sony Michelle. Why? Because it's the Rams' offense. Even if he's not catching a bunch of passes out of the backfield, it doesn't matter. He's going to get two touchdowns. Whatever. He'll get there. Keyshawn Vaughn will get there. This is one of the best offensive lines in football, one of the most efficient offenses in football, and he's a quality pass catcher. He was two for two. He's not as good as Fournette in the passing game. Few people are, but he's a quality running back. He's a lesser version of Dalvin Cook. He's not Dalvin Cook, right? But the raw measurables are strikingly similar. The college production was similar. And he's showed you long runs. So it's it's interesting. It's just interesting. Keyshawn Vaughn's very interesting. I'm going to have a lot of him. Because when you go hero RB, which we did you know, religiously in 2021, and we, we likely will again in 2022, you're not investing much in your second running back. You're just taking shots in the mid to late rounds. And you want to take shots on the guys with most upside. We talked about Tony Pollard. That was the guy in 2021. Well, Keyshawn Vaughn's in that conversation in 2022. Tom Brady's going to be back. He's going to be 45 next year. Holy shit. What a guy. He looks weird, though. He does look weird. He has some of these games where, where he, there's some of these, these promos that he does, some of these, these photographs of him. He just doesn't look right, whether it's Photoshopped or... The lighting is weird, but he looks really surprised. His eyes look weird. He has crazy eyes sometimes. Am I am I wrong? Put it in the chat. Am I wrong about this? Does Tom Brady have crazy eyes? It's, it's, it's a little weird. He's a nice guy, though. He's a genuinely nice guy. Anyone I, I know that's ever come in contact with him, genuinely nice guy. You can't possibly imagine a scenario where he peels his face off and he's actually like a, 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 a demon, right? A total asshole. You can't imagine that. But you can't imagine him tearing his face off because his face is starting to look weird. It just is. I don't know why. 
I don't know why, but weird stuff starting to happen with his face. I could be wrong. But to me, my perception is weird stuff. Weird face stuff. 49ers Cowboys. I uh, hope you put CeeDee Lamb on the block in Dynasty like I told you last week. He's not right, though. Right? Just don't push him out of your top 10 in Dynasty. Like, he's right there, fringe top 5. He's just not in that echelon, not even close to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. That we know. And I would rather have A.J. Brown. I'd rather have D.K. Metcalf. I'd rather have Debo Samuel in Dynasty. Debo Samuel still has a bunch of good years left, and he's just an unstoppable force. There's nothing that Lamb is doing that you consider unstoppable. That's super special. His best quality is yards after the catch. He's top 15 in yards after the catch. He's only top 10 in one metric on playerprofiler.com, and that's uh, drops. That's not good. So he's not super strong at the catch point. He's not a great separator. He's not a, not a field stretcher. So you start to, there's a lot of things he's not doing well. What is he doing well? Well, he is explosive after the catch, especially when he's fully healthy. I think that he had this ankle injury. It hurt him after the catch, just like Debo with the groin injury two years ago really hurt him because he's a yards after the catch monster. So when you take away his superpower, he looks human, right? That's how in the second half, CeeDee Lamb gets dominated by Russell Gage, where Russell Gage is producing like four more fantasy points a game in a similar role to CeeDee Lamb. And now is the time to start pulling up data on the 2021 season. You can go to data analysis, go to player profile, click on fantasy tools, data analysis, and you can sort players by hundreds of advanced stats and metrics. Target share, air yard share, average target depth, yards after the catch per target. The list goes on. With data analysis, I'm like a kid in a candy store in the month of January. And data analysis helped show that CeeDee Lamb's peripheral metrics were not impressive. I mean, forget the older wide receivers. Deontay Johnson and DJ Moore had far superior peripheral metrics to CeeDee Lamb this year, which sounds crazy because DJ Moore disappointed. But DJ Moore doesn't have Dak Prescott. But yeah, we unlocked the power of advanced metrics for football. Playerprofiler.com forward slash data dash analysis. Check it out. It's like, what the hell is going on? How is this possible? Probably he's hurt. Probably. So I'm expecting a bounce back season in the efficiency metrics, which should translate with no Michael Gallup, at least at the beginning of the year, if they bring him back, which is unlikely, to a better fantasy season. He certainly has a 1,300-yard season in him, maybe, probably, I guess. It's just hard to envision it. Oh, it's tricky. It, it's just, it's, it's, it's tricky. And whenever it's tricky, I say put him on the block. I say see if there is one of 12 players in your Dynasty League that doesn't think it's tricky, that thinks CeeDee Lamb's a slam dunk, then trade him to him, right? Like, hey, give me Cam Akers. Done. Whatever. Moving on. It's easy. Elijah Mitchell, man. Elijah Mitchell's moving up. At some point, he's proven that he is just awesome. And he's going to be the starter there, the established starter, and that this carousel of running backs finally ends with him, that he stops the carousel. I mean, 27 carries, just he was the offense. And Brandon Ayuk looked great. He looks explosive. When Brandon Ayuk catches passes, something special happens. He's either toe-tapping, or he's breaking tackles, or he's, he's evading tackles in some clever way. He's getting open in some special way. He's a fun player. He's a fun player to watch. And he's leading receiver this week. See what he does next week. Ah, man, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's an interesting dichotomy between a guy like, say, Devontae Smith who isn't exciting, 
But the numbers say, hey, this guy's getting downfield. He's getting targets. He deserves to be coveted in fantasy. And then you have you have Brandon Ayuk, and the metrics aren't nearly as impressive, right? It's just a bunch of red flags. But when you watch him play, it's like, oh, this guy's good. This guy's great. And he had a great rookie season, right? So he had a down sophomore season. That's very common. That's a good one. We'll ask Nate. That's another good dynasty debate. Devontae Smith versus Brandon Ayuk. The wow factor versus the underlying metrics. Like the boring underlying metrics versus the wow factor. And just a better quarterback situation. Because Trey Lance supercharges the upside of Brandon Ayuk. I think at this point we know Jalen Hurts really isn't helping Devontae Smith with his accuracy concerns and just in general pulling pass attempts out of the offense. Not great, but man, it'd be hard to trade Ayuk. I'm not trading Ayuk. I'm not. I want Ayuk. I want I want him. I want him. There I said it. I want him. I want him. I want him. I want him. I don't want Dalton Schultz. I, yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I just, I can't do it. Give me Dawson Knox. Even in Dynasty, you know, I'll still take, God, I know this is probably a mistake, but I would still take Noah Fant. The track record of athletic tight ends being those that will deliver year after year in fantasy is it's such a strong signal. And while Dalton Schultz has an upper percentile agility score, he's not an impressive overall athlete. And he's not even big. He's like 240 pounds. He's a traditional move tight end. And those tight ends typically are volatile year to year. They take advantage of target vacuums when Amari Cooper has COVID and CeeDee Lamb's nursing an ankle. Targets then funnel to to Dalton Schultz. But he doesn't seem like a player where they're, oh, they're drawing up plays for Schultz. Oh, he's commanding targets. He's a guy that's been there. Like, I have him in leagues. And I'm going to put him on the block. I'm going to see what happens. There may be someone that looks at the raw fantasy numbers. Hey, this guy's a top five tight end. Yeah, okay. What do you want for him? Right? And we'll see what happens. So it, it, guys break out in their mid-20s. I'd rather see a guy like Waller break out with incredible athletic profile. Like, okay, yeah, now I'm excited. I can't get excited about Dalton Schultz. I just can't do it. Can't do it. can't get excited about Dalton Schultz. I just can't do it. Can't do it. Uh-oh. My throat's starting to fail. My voice is starting to fail. I can feel it. I was going to do a Q&A with the audience. I promise you I will. We'll do a separate Q&A. Maybe I'll bring on Josh and Cody for an AMA. We'll do a lot more of those. Oh! <coughs> Too close to the sun! Oh, we're failing! <coughs> Bye, everybody. Yeah.
but he looks really surprised. His eyes look weird. He has crazy eyes sometimes. Am I am I wrong? 